Today's episode of Locked On Spartans is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. On today's show, it is just me again, Will Hunter, solo hosting for you. We're going to talk about pivot players for Michigan State football in 2020. Yes, players that will be focal points, fulcrum points for the Michigan State football team. If they play well, the team will do well. If they don't play well, eh, the team's probably going to struggle. It's got a list of 10 players. We'll see how many I get through. A list of 10 players here that will be the pivot points for Michigan State football this season. And I also want to touch real quickly on Michigan State versus Rutgers. Uh, From a betting perspective, some really interesting things going on with the Michigan State Rutgers point spread. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Thursday, October 22nd. The year is 2020. I'm your host, Will Hunter, not joined by my co-host, Matt Sheehan, but very happy for my co-host, Matt Sheehan. This is officially a two-child podcast, a two-kid podcast. Uh, very happy for the new parents, Mr. and Mrs. Sheehan. We hope to have Matt back soon. I don't think it'll be tomorrow. Maybe I can convince him to hop on the phone with me for a segment or something tomorrow, but not planning on having him uh, for the Rutgers preview. But we'll make sure he's back for next week. Obviously, has bigger things going on in his life. Like I mentioned in the intro there, on today's show, we're going to be talking about pivot players for Michigan State football season, sort of some key guys that I think really, uh, when the, the season ends and we look back on what went right, what went wrong, these are likely names that we can hone in on and be like, yeah, this person turned out to be great. This person was all Big Ten, and, and that's why the defense was great. Or this person really struggled, and, and the offensive line was never right, and this is a big reason why. So I'm going to go through some of those guys and you know use that as a, you know, a way to sort of preview the season from a micro perspective. We did some macro stuff uh, yesterday. I'm going to do some micro stuff today. And then also off the top here, just in a second, I want to talk about the Michigan State Rutgers point spread because it's been really interesting. So that's the plan for today's show. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We do this every single day, five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. All right, so <laughs> not surprisingly, the Michigan State Rutgers betting line has been kind of uh, a mess. It's been all over the place, and I think this year especially – College football um, betting point spreads, just the way lines have been set and the way they've been moving has been really unique and interesting in a lot of ways. Just with COVID, you'll have a a line come out and then we find out three days later that the team X is missing 11 guys and they're still going to play and their coach has COVID and then the lines move like Lines are just moving all over the place. Yeah, college football is prone to that because 
teams are so inconsistent and the skill levels between opponents can vary greatly, especially considered to or especially compared to like the NFL, where if you see a 10-point spread in the NFL, you're like, okay, this is one of the best teams in the league versus one of the worst teams in the league. Whereas in college, if you're going to get one of the best teams playing one of the worst teams, it's going to be like a 42-point spread, a 35-point spread, something just huge. Uh, and so that uh, opens itself up for a lot of variance. And what you get is kind of a, a combination of all these different factors leading to very weird lines you know, one of these is that a major conference, the Big Ten, is starting its season on October 23rd and 24th this weekend. And so we're, you know, almost to November, and oddsmakers can look at a handful of Big Ten teams and be like, yeah, we don't really know what the hell is going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like when Rutgers unveils a handful of transfers, perhaps a new quarterback. We don't have a depth chart. Oh yeah, Greg Schiano's back and they were one of the worst teams in college football last year. We don't know what's going to happen with Michigan State. They've got some recruiting talent on the team, a few experienced guys here or there, but a totally new regime. Didn't have spring practice, you know, had a truncated fall camp, really weird situation. It's just hard to project out. It's hard to make power rankings. Uh, to set these lines. It's hard to know how much home field advantage is going to mean for specific teams, whereas you know, normally you get the two and a half, three, three and a half point bump from home field advantage. You know, who knows? And so Michigan State opened up as an 11 and a half point favorite against Rutgers from Bet Online. That was the first line that I think anyone saw, and they're an offshore book, and that was 11 and a half, and those lines were released. Uh, before last weekend. And since then, it's just kind of been all over the place. It, it made it up to like 15 and a half, 16 in that same spot. Uh, Circa was the first book in Vegas to open a line for this game, and they had it at 14. And it's gone down to 13 there, and it's kind of been moving around a little bit. Uh, some other places, some other books opened at 15 and a half. <laughs> right? It's been moving a lot. And I've just got a line chart here up in front of me. Uh, on the 18th, there was a 16 and a half point spread, uh, as well as a 15 point spread that day, a point and a half swing just in like a couple hours. And then that night of the 18th, it went all the way to 12 and a half where it kind of stayed there, moved to 13. It's been consistent at 13. And I was, you know, 13, 13 and a half, depending on where you can find it. And so it's just like, <laughs> there's a term in gambling called like sharp line movement or um, what is it? Like sharp trigger, bet trigger, whatever you want to call it. It's basically you can, if you're good enough at it, and I'm really not yet, I just know about it. I read about this stuff because it interests me. But there's a way to look at how uh, a point spread moves and you can sort of pinpoint, oh, someone placed a huge bet right here. And that's why the line moved. Some professional gambler came in with a huge bet or a group came in with a big bet, moved the line. And you can sort of pinpoint these and you can use them, these these movements, these shifts to uh, determine what the right side is, what the pros are doing, along with a number of other you know, factors. This one is just like all over the place. There's like, 
Man, the line went from 17 or 16 and a half all the way to 12 and a half. A four point swing in like eight hours. And it's it's noteworthy because at 2.41 p.m. it was 16 and a half. And by later that night, it had jumped to 12 and a half. Why is that noteworthy that it jumped that much late at night? Well, late at night, the limits go up. And so when you see movement on a, a bet that happens late at night, that's because somebody is throwing a huge amount of money on the table. And so just based off that, and again, it's just one indicator, it looks like some professional gamblers, some people who make a living doing this. And remember, these people, uh, the very, very, very best of them are right like 60% of the time. Like that is just crushing it against the spread and they bet huge amounts and they lose all the time. They just win at a higher clip than you or me or an average show is going to and they're able to sustain that way. So this isn't lock it in or anything like that, but it looks like some really uh, big money came in at at Rutgers at 16 and a half, 16, 15 and a half, 15, you know, for driving that line in a matter of hours from 16 and a half all the way up to 12 and a half where it kind of then settled back in. And I was, um, I think it's 13 now, but it was 13 and a half earlier in the day on Wednesday. I was watching um, Daily Wager on ESPN. And so it seems like, right, we open at 11 and a half, plummets down to 17 or 16 and a half in some spots, then comes all the way back up almost to its original open and then sort of settles in. It really feels like, a lot of big money moved it. Uh, like open eleven and a half. That's not enough. Michigan State's the pick there. Whoosh shoots all the way down. That's too much. Rutgers money comes in. Whoosh shoots it back up, and then it settles in and water finds its level. I think it seems like there's smart money on both sides, depending where you got the number at, and they've kind of found this nice middle ground between thirteen and fourteen points that they're comfortable with and you probably will get bets coming in on both sides from Joe Schmo like me and you just saying like, ah, I, th- I like Michigan State. Ah, Smartens suck. I'm picking Rutgers, right? And that's sort of a way to just level things out here as, as the betting goes on. And even the, the percentages aren't that uh, wild. 50 54% of the public's on Michigan State, 46% of the public's on Rutgers. And yet the line, which opened at 15 and a half in some spots, uh, onshore, that is, uh, is now sitting at 13. So that indicates that while more people have bet Michigan State, there's more money bet on Rutgers, and that's where that line settled in there. So for me, I wouldn't bet this game because I don't know crap about these teams, and there are a lot of weird indicators. If I had to pick it, I'd probably lean Rutgers. i try to get up to 14. It's at 13 right now. You know, I feel nervous about 13 and a half because of the two touchdown thing. Um, and if I could get it up to 14, that'd probably be where I go, but I'm probably not going anywhere near this. But I just thought it was just a really interesting traveling of that line moving big swings both directions. And I think a lot of betters are like me and you and just don't really know what's going to be happening this weekend when Rutgers comes to town. All right, I want to talk about some pivot players when we get back. But first, a real quick word from Coors Light. These days, guys, doesn't it seem like life always forces us to be on all the time? We've got our devices, we're checking email, we're working from home. 
The kids are crying. You got to make dinner. It's just, it's on and on and on. Well, Coors Light wants to remind you, now and then it's important to stop and hit that reset button. And that, that moment when you do that is when you should reach for a Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment made to chill. I know I'm going to be reaching for one this weekend. I've been solo dad a bunch this week and I've also been solo podcast host. So I've been very busy taking care of the newborn, trying to get show prep done, working. And when Saturday comes and it's time to watch Michigan State, I'm going to be ready to chill. So I'm going to go with the beer that is made to chill. And that is Coors Light. And you should too. We are at Thursday, guys. Just a couple more days. A couple more days till Michigan State plays. So get ready. Get some Coors Light. Get your spot ready on the couch and find that mountain cold refreshment to uh, take you into Saturday where we hopefully watch a successful football season kickoff. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind and you should choose it too. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You wouldn't do it. It doesn't make sense. So don't do it. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked down in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Okay, so pivot players. Pivot, 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 pivot players. These are the people that I'm going to be clued in on this season, keying in on this season, where I think they control a lot of the success for or failure for Michigan State this season. They're, I got a bunch of names here. I'm going to go through them and give some reasoning as to why uh, I've got them there. But they're players that when, you know, good or bad, when we get to the end of the season, you can look back. Find these names and be like, yeah, they played a big role. Their emergence was huge. Their absence was noteworthy. Uh, And I also want to uh, say that I'm not going to use a quarterback on this list because that, too obvious. It is much too obvious to just put Rocky Lombardi on this list. We all know quarterback is the most, probably the most important pivot spot for this team this year and will dictate a lot of things. We've talked about it ad nauseum. You don't need me to rehash any of that. So it's 10 non-quarterback pivot players for Michigan State football in 2020. I've also written about this, spartanswill.substack.com. If you want to read this, maybe you only can listen to half the show and don't get to finish it, uh, and you want to read about it, or maybe I don't quite get to everyone on this list, I will go into more detail. You know, This podcast will be a little bit quicker to go through some of these names, and I will expand more in the written words. So check that out, spartanswill.substack.com. All right, first player that I'm going to go with is A.J. Arcuri. 
Yes, AJ Arcure, redshirt senior, uh, presumed starting left tackle. Handful of reasons why I've got Arcure here. First, it's a very important position, right? We know when we're talking about importance of position in football, everyone wants to start with a great quarterback. After that, you know, it's a passing world in the football world, especially in college football. You got to have great receivers, you got to have great defensive backs. And then after that, it's it's tackles and it's defensive ends, right? Those are the five sort of key positions. Can you protect the passer? Can you rush the passer? And can you throw the ball? Can you catch the ball? Can you defend the ball when it's in the air? So with that in mind, AJR Curie is going to be the first name that I go with here. Very important position. And frankly, there's not a lot of, you know what? There's no proven depth behind him. I know Jarvis repped some at left tackle last year. He's a guard. If he's playing left tackle for you, you know, it'll probably be okay for the most part. He's going to get beat by better edge guys. Um, but you want Kevin Jarvis inside. You want Devontae Dobbs playing inside or on the right side while he waits to make that move inside. You know, the other big tackle frames on this team, the Spencer Browns, um, the oh my gosh, Jack Henricks, the walk on, you know, maybe Luke Campbell, but he's been playing some guard too. Like, the there's not a lot of tackle experience on this team right now. And at left tackle, if if our Curie isn't good or if our Curie goes down with another injury, uh, it could get ugly pretty quickly, just like it did last season, and that will not bode well for this team. And then on the flip side, if our Curie plays, stays healthy and is good because he's shown flashes, he's shown the ability to be a pretty good player. Uh, he's got the frame, he can move, he's an athletic kid, he's, he's strong. Uh, if he can sort of stitch it all together and be a really good left tackle, that's going to be huge. Um, if Michigan State is going to take advantage of Rocky Lombardi's strong arm and stretch the field vertically like they've sort of hinted at, you're going to need to be able to protect the edge. Yeah, Rocky's a big dude. He's a mobile dude. He can deal with some pressure in the pocket. But the cleaner it can be for him, the more likely he's going to be to be able to make those deep connections downfield. And you absolutely have to be able to protect the edge to do that. And so that's why I've got Curie there. If we look back and Curie's an all-Big Ten, you know, third-team left tackle this season, I think we can feel pretty good about what Michigan State would have done. Like, I don't see him ending up on a list like that unless Michigan State has a competent to above average offense. Uh, so I got him there. And these aren't really in particular order of, like, importance, but I just wanted to start with him there. Our next guy, Trenton Gillison. Similar reasoning to uh, Mr. Arcuri. I know tight end in college is a position that maybe isn't quite as valued, especially as it is in the NFL. Uh, but when you have a guy who can be a difference maker at that spot, it can really open up the offense. Uh, when Michigan State, like their best offenses, have seemingly always had a strong presence at tight end. And the last few years, uh, it's been kind of lacking, really. It, you know, I know Matt Seibert had some nice moments last year, but it was a small like amount of plays. Like He had a couple touchdown catches, had a nice long catch and run, but it, there just wasn't a consistent threat there from tight end, and I think that can really stifle your offense because when you have a good tight end and it's going well, that can be an absolute matchup 
nightmare for opposing teams. And Gillison has that potential. He's big, he's fast, he's strong, he's talented, he's got good hands. Former four-star recruit, really talented guy. And if he can, you know, redshirt sophomore season, right? We saw the we saw the pinstripe bowl. We saw him have a 50-plus yard catch, you know, stretching the field up the seam vertically. That would be a huge element to this Michigan State offense if he's able to do that. And if he comes out and catches five, six touchdowns in a nine-game schedule and has 400 receiving yards, something like that, 500 even, you know, going for 50-ish yards a game, three, four, five catches, that could be really, really important to this offense. And then same with our Curie. You look behind him and there's just not a lot of proven experience. You got Matt Dotson coming off a of torn Achilles You've got Parks Kissinger, you've got Adam Berghorst, converted defensive ends who are true sophomore and redshirt sophomores, uh, just not a lot of experience there. Tommy Guarjardo, true freshman, probably won't see him much. You've got a backup punter and Tyler Hunt uh, playing some backup tight end. Like it's A lot is going to be on Gillison's plate this year, and he's going to have to really uh, come through, and if he doesn't, if he gets hurt, if he doesn't put it together this season, and it's like, man, whether it's it's him, Gissinger, Burkhorst, or just rotating through, and it's just kind of a, a stable of mediocrity, it's going to really negatively impact the way Michigan State's able to move the ball. And, and Jay Johnson has said, the tight end is the MVP of this offense. And they, they do a lot with tight ends. They are asked to make really important blocks, especially in the outside zone game. They are asked to do... Important things in the pass game, stretching vertically up the middle is so important to be able to keep safeties out of the box, to keep linebackers' eyes not trained in the backfield. And so Gillison being able to do that would be huge for this offense. All right, one more and then we'll go to break. I'm not going to make it through all these, so you'll have to go to spartansworld.substack.com. I'll give you the other names, but I'm not going to be able to go into much as much depth. But I, I like going into depth. I'm just going to pick a few more here and really dive into them. All right, Julian Barnett is the next name. Uh, I got Barnett here because I think his upside is massive. I think the defensive backfield is a spot I'm really concerned about early in the season. I'm really concerned about all three levels of the defense in different ways, but I think they'll all be fine. It just could be rough in the early going. And the sooner, if it is Barnett, like, gosh, I think it's going to be Barnett, but the sooner he's able to break into the rotation, play meaningful snaps at corner, and get to the point where you're like, yep, that's a pro. We got a pro back there. The sooner that happens, the quicker this defense will rise up to the talent that it has. Like All the talent on this defense is pretty inexperienced. You got some high recruits, um, Mike Fletcher, Julian Barnett. Um, who else is back there? Xavier Henderson, but you know we, we've seen some good stuff uh, from Henderson for sure. Uh, you've got Naquan Jones, former four-star recruit, but hasn't had a ton of time to play. Kalon Gervin, another four-star recruit. There's some talent there. There's just not a lot of guys who've played a ton. And Barnett is one that you look at and say, this is the most raw talent uh, maybe on the entire defense. Like if you took every single player in the defense and you say, everyone hits their ceiling, who's the highest pick? I'm like, yeah, Julian Barnett hits his ceiling. He's a first-round pick. I'm not sure there are many other players on that defense, you could say the same about. So that's why I've got him as sort of a pivot thing because if he's he's not going to hit a ceiling this year, 
But if he starts trending that direction, if week four, five, six, seven, he's starting to do that thing that Justin Lane did his sophomore year, where you're like, oh, I see it. Yep. Okay, I'm seeing it. And then he comes back as a junior, and you're like, yeah, we got one. We got a really good pro corner here. If you see that sort of trajectory from him this year, that's going to make a world of difference back half of the season, that ninth crossover game. But if he's not able to to cut it, if he can't get on the field, if he's just not good enough, that is going to be a big missed opportunity for this defense. And it's a lot of talent to have on the bench. Like having a top 60, a former top 60 recruit, like not be able to make it onto the field for you on defense because he's just not able to hack it. That's a big, big missed opportunity. All right, let's pause here real quick. We'll come back and do a few more names after a quick word from Homefield Apparel. Our friends at Homefield Apparel make incredibly comfortable, officially licensed collegiate apparel. They go through old programs, yearbooks, talk to people affiliated with the school, find these really cool, unique marks and logos, and they use them to print their fantastically comfortable t-shirts, sweatshirts, um, I think they have hoodies. Yeah, crewnecks. They've got all sorts of stuff. You need to check them out. Homefieldapparel.com. Uh, and they've got stuff not just for Michigan State. They've got incredible Michigan State gear that they released on August 1st, which you need to go check out. But they have Central Michigan, Eastern, Western, Northern, Grand Valley, Ferris State, Wayne State, UDM, Hope. Hundreds of schools in their system from, as you can see, D1 all the way down to D3. Uh, and they have really cool, unique designs. You can go find some random stuff. There's a Slippery Rock shirt that you got to get. Colorado School of the Mines has some incredible stuff as well. Their Louisville stuff is pretty sweet. The Pitt stuff was awesome. They've had a bunch of new releases over the summer, and they're all really cool. Uh, Hawaii was incredible. Um, so go check them out. Find some gear that you like, and go to homefieldapparel.com. Find some gear you like, and enter Promo code on Spartans. It's one word on Spartans, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. One more time 20% off your first pur- first purchase of home field apparel gear at homefieldapparel.com with promo code on Spartans. All right, third and final segment here. Uh, let's see, who do I want? I got a list here. I got some more names. I'm going to go Mike Fletcher. And Mike Fletcher is on this list for similar reasons to Julian Barnett. Now, he wasn't as highly ranked as a recruit, but I do think, like, (laughs) if we're talking about ceilings, guys on that defense hitting absolute ceilings, it's Barnett as, like, the highest ceiling, and then Fletcher is right below him. Uh, He is prototype for the position of defensive end, 6'5", 250 or whatever pounds, He's big, he's athletic, he has incredibly long arms. Like He's going to be able to get underneath tackles, get around them, reach through them, uh, make plays, keep guys off of him. That's a big thing in the edge. If you have long arms and you can get your hand on the tackle before he can get his hands on you, you're going to be able to hold him at bay and you're winning that matchup. He's someone who I think is going to really be able to rush the passer. And he's just a redshirt freshman, didn't play at all uh, his first season, but it looks like the strength training program is working for him. He looks very impressive as an athlete. We haven't really gotten many reports as to whether or not he can actually play, but just by the looks of it, 
you're like, yeah, that looks like someone, like first team off the bus. Mike Fletcher, you're like the first dude off the bus for Michigan State. And uh, coaches praise his intelligence and his, his, you know, his intensity and some of the intangible things, but needed, they said it was before they put pads on, like, you know, we got to see what he looks like once we get the pads on. And so he's another former highly ranked recruit, looks to be the prototype. You need a defensive end to emerge opposite Jacob Panashuk, you know, Jack Camper, Drew Beasley, uh, you know, I think Beasley could do a fine job. We haven't seen much of Jack Camper. They're older guys. They're limited in terms of skill set and the impact they can bring. If Mike Fletcher wins that starting defensive end job, plays a bunch of snaps, and is able to tap into that potential, those gifts, he could be an absolute force. And, you know, by the end of the season, could be a dynamic pass rusher. And then you're absolutely licking your chops like, yeah, Michigan State's bringing back a dude who's going to be getting after the quarterback next year. And so if he's able to lock down that starting spot opposite Panashuk, that could be a really dynamic duo. Uh, Panashuk's a good pass rusher. He can get after the quarterback. And if you got Fletcher doing that as well, uh, that could be really, really effective for Michigan State's defense and, and help. You know, being able to get after the quarterback with your front four without having to bring extra guys, that's going to help a team that is breaking in a new secondary and breaking in some new linebackers as well. All right, next name, Speedy Naylor. Speedy Naylor, a familiar name. Uh, probably the guy with the most, well, no, eh, sort of, the most experience on this list, so to speak, should have the most experience on this list. We've got a lot of freshmen and sophomores on this list. Speedy Naylor is a junior. Well, no, he's a redshirt sophomore because he didn't play enough. Uh, he only played four games. So redshirt sophomore, Speedy Naylor. Uh, he's on here because, well, this one's easy. If he stays healthy, I think it's going to be really good. I think the Michigan State offense has a chance to be dynamic. Now, maybe they won't be consistent. I don't think they're going to be able to really churn it out on the ground. Pound, green, pound may not be the way they go. But with Naylor and Reed and Mosley and a guy like Trayvon Morgan, Gillison, like there's a pretty intriguing group of talented pass catchers on this team. And if Naylor can stay healthy, there's a lot of different ways you can deploy him. I don't think he ever ran a go route under Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. I would think that would change. But he's a guy, we know the talent, we've seen the big plays. If he can stay healthy... He will help add a totally different element uh, of explosiveness that Michigan State has been really missing on that side of the ball. All right, last name here. One more name. I'm going to go with Matt Coglin. Yes, Matt Coglin is on this list because as we learned last season, and as I think we all know, being Michigan State fans, we've seen the good and the bad of this. Kickers are really important, and having a good kicker can make a world of difference. And last year, Matt Coughlin was not a good kicker. He hit a very not nice 69% of his field goals after being around 80% his freshman and sophomore seasons. If he can get back around that 80%, if he was at that 80% mark last year, Michigan State beats Arizona State. They beat... Um, so they start with a win against uh, Tulsa. They beat Western. They beat Arizona State. You beat Northwestern. You beat Indiana. Like, you got five wins. Things are looking pretty interesting. The fan base isn't, like, 
losing their minds because, dear God, how did we lose that game? There were missed kicks uh, and other losses as well. Not the blowouts, but some of the closer losses that could have really changed things. And and missing field goals, missing 36-yard field goals in closest games, that can be demoralizing, not just for fans, but for the team, right? The offense looking to get going. You'd rather get a touchdown, but hey, we got some points, right? Nope. 37-yard field goal, missed. Dear God, is this happening again? And so Coughlin has it within him to be a consistent steady kicker. He's got to refine that form. He started to at the end of last season. If he can sort of uh, keep riding that, use that to uh, hopefully fuel a good offseason. He's got a little competition now with Jack Olson, another scholarship kicker. Maybe that can push him. If Matt Coughlin is able to get back around 80 85% on field goals this season. That's going to really help uh, an offense with a lot of new players, a lot of young players, and uh, a team that could be in three, four, five close games, right? Playing Northwestern, playing Iowa, playing Indiana, hell, maybe even against Maryland. That crossover game at the end of the season, you want to have a good kicker in those spots because it could make all the difference in the world, as we saw. Uh, last season against Arizona State. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. Maybe Matt will be back tomorrow. Full Rutgers preview tomorrow and some other picks as well. I'm going to go through, I think, just the Big Ten games, look at them against the spread, kind of give my thoughts there, and then some straight-up things, what I'm looking for. But a lot of time tomorrow devoted to Rutgers versus Michigan State. We'll get into it as much as we can with what we don't know, really. I should say what we know, but what we don't know (laughs) about these two teams. We'll try to uh, break it down as best as we can as we get ready for game one of this 2020 football season. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for listening. Reminded to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcasts. We do this every single day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We will see you tomorrow. Go Green.